wild. Why are we all losers? Why are we deaf, dumb, blind? That's a good question. Why is everybody making progress, yet we seem to be lagging so far behind? Listen up, brethren, it ain't hard to tell. A black man's heaven can be a black man's hell. The fruit of Islam probably knew this so well. The Clarence Gill say you got bean pies to sell. If they give you those papers, you better sell them fast. And if you don't sell them, they will beat your ass. They got killers on the staff. I ain't trying to insult. I'm just trying to expose the wicked ways of a cult. There was a man named Malcolm who led a revolt. Well-dressed, well-read, and he walked what he talked. He brought the nation thousands. They started off with 400, but the rumor was that now Malcolm wanted to run it. That wasn't the truth, but we'll get to that later. Let's talk about the messenger, the student of the savior. It was Malcolm X who made the nation greater. Malcolm loved Elijah. Elijah loved his paper. Standing on principles wasn't Elijah's nature. There was powerful men who Elijah owed favors. On top of that, Malcolm X had a lot of haters. A lot of haters. A lot of haters. Joseph from Detroit. Lewis up in Boston. The royal fam who was in the shining and flossing. John Ali and several other niggas and don't forget the boys from north the ones behind the triggers i almost forgot to mention james shabazz when karma got to him they beheaded his ass i ain't the one trying to laugh at the way the brother died it reminds me of january 1965 when lewis x wrote that malcolm shouldn't be alive and that the die is set and malcolm must die with malcolm not around he was feeling emboldened they printed a picture that had malcolm's head rolling norman butler saw the paper even heard him quote it the sad part about it is the nigga even sold it malcolm had his own style farrakhan stole it he wanted malcolm out so that he could be promoted leadership made the hit so they can live large can't keep stealing money if malcolm is in charge malcolm was an honest man in the room full of crooks and with the heat from the government elijah was shook his tax-free status was a real good look but with this heat coming down they might audit the books I'm sure that the pimping and the scheming was logged. Ironic how these Muslims lived high off the hog. Didn't eat pork, but they acted like swine. Elijah knew damn well he wasn't divine. He concocted a religion that was graphic design to capture the minds of the young, dumb, deaf, and blind. It was a good teaching, but he ain't put it in practice. Moved itself forward and moved all of us backwards. And with this, I submit that it ain't hard to tell that a black man's heaven can be a black man's hell. At around this very hour, Malcolm X was assassinated in the Audubon ballroom as he was addressing between four and five hundred of his followers. I know exactly where I was on that day. I was teaching across the river in Newark, New Jersey at the local mosque there when we received the news. Was Malcolm 
traitor was he out? And if we dealt with him like a nation deals with a traitor, what the hell business is it of yours? Welcome back, family. You are tuned in to the Gospel of St. Malcolm podcast. You're here with your host, E.L. Summers. That was my track that you heard playing. You can check out that track uh, right here on Spotify or um, it's on YouTube as well. It's called A Black Man's Heaven Can Be a Black Man's Hell. And um, basically, I was pretty much telling the story of what, what, what went down with our ancestor, Brother Malcolm, and how he was betrayed and why he was betrayed and, and what these people around him, what their motives were for betraying him, not only him, but betraying our people, betraying the revolution for the sake of their own profit. Um, so I'm going to be playing that song a couple more times and I'm going to eventually do a breakdown of the lyrics. The topic for today's show, however, is called Occult Rituals, Farrakhan versus Malcolm X and Khalid Muhammad. So what I'm going to be discussing is the parallels in the situation between Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm and Khalid Muhammad and Farrakhan. Um, because it makes one wonder. The the parallels are so fascinating. It makes one wonder, was this some sort of occult ritual? Were they sacrificing their prime student, either literally sacrificing them in what some people call like a blood sacrifice or sacrificing them in some other way in order to continue to benefit financially and in order to keep a certain level of, of prestige and maintain the status of controlled opposition. Because we have to acknowledge that there is a such thing as controlled opposition and that the government has infiltrated organizations and almost like created organizations um, in a sense in order to to create controlled opposition. And, and I'll give you an example. I'm from Baltimore, and one of the greatest revolutionaries to ever come out of Baltimore is a, a Black Panther elder by the name of Eddie Conway. Now, Eddie Conway, he spent a lot of time, um, he did a long, long, long time um, behind bars as a political prisoner for the stances that he took on behalf of, of Black people. Um, and one of the things that he found out when he was he was in the military at one point, and I believe he came home and he was looking to to join an organization in order to support the black cause and benefit black people. I believe this is his story. I could be mixing his story up with the story of our other elder, uh, Geronimo Pratt, but I believe. I know for sure that he was looking to join an organization that was to benefit black people. So at that time you had organizations like the nation of Islam and the black Panthers, and he decided that he wanted to join the black Panthers. So he was looking to join the Baltimore chapter of the black Panthers. And what he realized was that basically like there was like a lot of partying going on and it, it just wasn't like a real serious organization. 
So upon doing his research and and doing some more studying and looking into it, trying to figure out why this partying and, and stuff like that was going on, he um discovered that that basically the Baltimore chapter of the Black Panthers was actually created by a guy that was working as an agent. And he eventually got ran out of the country. But this guy was definitely um Asian. It was a, a proven fact that this guy was an operative. But why why would they go and create a a Baltimore chapter? Because it's controlled opposition. Anybody with radical thought in Baltimore that's trying to be revolutionary, then you already have an eye out on watching them. And they had the benefit of now having a chair um in the in position when all of the Black Panthers you know, from nationwide got together, they would have like basically their Baltimore representative in play. But not only that being a benefit, but they would also have um, basically controlled everybody that is revolutionary minded. And if this brother didn't uh, figure out what was going on, then he would have um, just fallen in line. And, and possibly one of the reasons why uh, the brother Eddie Conway was a political prisoner for so long was possibly because um, of the fact that he did expose um, the fact that the Baltimore chapter of the Black Panthers was founded by an agent, I believe an FBI agent. So getting back into today's topic so we're going to be you know basically i'm going to be showing you farrakhan coming out against um khalid muhammad and just basically how that how that played out and also brother khalid is going to be uh in the clips that i'm going to play from brother khalid he's going to be giving us information on some of the parallels between the situation that he went through with farrakhan and the situation that Malcolm X went through with Elijah Muhammad. I will say that it's interesting to note is that early on, Brother Khaled really was hard on Malcolm and he spoke out against Malcolm very heavy. And unfortunately, he he had to grow and mature into his respect for Brother Malcolm via living in Malcolm's shoes, basically through the oppression of a cult. Because what's, what's basically ha happened to both of them is that the cult built them up and they really believed in the, the highest and truest teachings of the organization. And, it, and it, it built them up. And then it once it built them up, it sought to destroy them. So give me just a moment here. I'm going to uh, be queuing up uh, some of the clips that we're going to be listening to today. And then I'll come back on and uh, give some input. Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam claim they are moving toward moderation and increased tolerance. You decide. 
Minister Farrakhan spoke in Washington this afternoon. Recent events surrounding the remarks by one of my ministers is causing intense concern among many people. Brother Khalid Abdul Muhammad spoke at Keene College at the invitation of the students. The students chose his subject for him. During the speech, Brother Khalid made remarks that were not consistent with the proper representation of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, his teachings and guidance. I'm going to pause it right there. I challenge anyone to show what remarks that Khalid made. Anyone that I guess is some type of defender of what's happening here. What remarks that Khalid made that were inconsistent with the teachings of the Nation of Islam? Not whether the remarks that he made were right or wrong altogether, but I'm saying were inconsistent with the teachings of the Nation of Islam because the Nation of Islam, uh, they're teaching uh, that the white man is the devil and, the de and that the devil cannot be reformed. And so I don't see anything that Khalid taught in the, in the King Khalid um, King College speech that he gave that led to his suspension. I don't see anything that he said that was against the teachings of the nation of Islam. Now, whether you agree with what he said was right or wrong or not is another, um, is another question, but just dealing with the fact whether they were against the teachings of the nation of Islam or inconsistent. I don't see it, but I'm going to continue uh, playing this clip here and then I'll come back. Myself and the Nation of Islam. I found the speech after listening to it in context, vile in manner, repugnant, malicious, mean-spirited, and spoken in mockery of individuals and people which is against the spirit of Islam. While I stand by the truths that he spoke, I must condemn in the strongest terms the manner in which those truths were represented. I therefore have dismissed Brother Khalid from his post as minister, representative, and national assistant until he demonstrates that he is willing to conform to the manner of representing Allah, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, his truth, his guidance, the aim and his purpose for us in America in a manner that would be pleasing to Allah, his messenger, myself, and the nation. I have an internal and secret document put out by the Civil Rights Division of the Anti-Defamation League this January. This document reveals their strategy for dealing with Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. Uh -huh. The ADL raises the question, does Farrakhan's acceptance by the mainstream black community represent a newfound tolerance for anti-Semitism, which the ADL must fight with every weapon at our disposal? What do these weapons include? Yeah. Oh, right. One of the weapons identified by the ADL and mentioned in their document 
is their exploitation of, quote, some of the nation's top black political and civil rights leaders who have long been envious of Farrakhan's ability to reach large, enthusiastic audiences. All right, so that's the end of the clip. Basically, um, I was just showing you basically Farrakhan dismissing Brother Khaled um, from his from his post, and it's interesting that he started reading from the ADL, and it looks like there was some pressure coming down because Khaled had been condemned, as I mentioned uh, on previous podcasts, he was condemned by the entirety of the Congress, um, both houses, both the Senate and the House of Representatives um, had completely uh, condemned Khaled. So what what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play. Uh, some clips from Brother Collett, and um, I'll be right back. It appropriate, and that is still my feeling. For if you'll be patient, you'll get the why. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. It has been now one year since my suspension from national spokesman. Minister Malcolm was the first great national spokesman of the Nation of Islam. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan was the second and chose me to be the third in that line. It has been a year since my suspension from national assistant, spokesman or representative and from the ministry. And during that year, now over a year, which has become an indefinite suspension, I have made attempts to reach my spiritual father, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and I have not really been able to set up a meeting successfully with him. Certainly there, why don't you be quiet for a minute? Let me answer the questions. as difficult as it was, and I didn't mean any disrespect, but I was answering your disrespect. As difficult as it is to even stand up here, don't prompt me, don't push me. You push me to say something that maybe I shouldn't say or wouldn't have said, as Malcolm was probably prompted and pushed too much 30 years ago. This has happened almost 30 years to the day in many ways. I didn't set it that way, and I didn't plan it that way. It started in November 30 years ago. Started again in November 30 years later at King College. And see, that, that's uh, two, two parallels there that, that's kind of interesting. Um, that that kind of makes you wonder, like, is there some type of ritual that is being played out here. I believe that when Malcolm spoke uh, and he made his comments about Kennedy, I believe he, he was at a university as well. I want to say he was at Columbia university. And it's interesting that both of these guys made these comments. And it's like, almost like, like he said, like 30 years to the date in some ways. And it just kind of makes you wonder, 
you know, what is being played out here. And I think that we also have to ask ourselves, what are the motives of Elijah Muhammad and Farrakhan? Were they teaching because they truly love their people? Are these people that are going to sacrifice their lives for their followers or sacrifice their lives for black people? We know that Malcolm was willing to sacrifice his life. We know that Khaled was definitely willing to sacrifice his life. I don't get that same energy from Elijah Muhammad and and Farrakhan. It looks like to me that they were trying to build up organizations or build up a organization with them as the prophet or the messenger, the minister or the leader of the organization where they sit on a throne and everyone just admires them for their own greatness, their own personal greatness. But it doesn't look like they have any aspirations for the people to truly be great. It's, it's mainly about them being great. Where Malcolm and Collett, to me, seem to be willing to sacrifice themselves and their lives and the time with their family. And they were dedicated to building up black people. I get a genuine love for black people and African people all around the world from both, from both Khaled um, and brother Malcolm. I'll also say this as well. When I go back and I think I'm going to play some more Farrakhan clips after this as well. The way Farrakhan and Elijah both approached the conflict with their students as well. They never dealt with the issues head on. They always dealt with the issues as if I'm the messenger I'm the or I'm the teacher and I'm completely above it. So let's say if Malcolm had some type of grievance about something that Elijah was doing, even something that he admitted that he did. Let's say, for instance, the situation with the babies or, or whatever the case was. Um, he he basically I'll give it I'll I'll use that example the situation with the babies when Malcolm confronted Elijah Muhammad about Elijah Muhammad I believe it's like eight babies by by like six different teenage girls or something like that when Malcolm approached Elijah Muhammad about these babies with these teenage girls Elijah Muhammad's response was like i'm like abraham i'm like david i'm like the muhammad of the bible and you know it was basically like he gave a response like he was just some type of biblical prophetic figure from ancient times and it didn't necessarily address his flaws or it was never an omission of Hey, I did something wrong. I need to change or whatever the case is. Never that. And now granted, um, Farrakhan, even though he, there is accusations of him being caught out there or whatever the case is, he's never had anything as scandalous come up um, with him like that in the public. Even though if you go and look for it, there's information out there about it. 
Um, that'll be another show. I won't get into that now. But when speaking on Khaled, Farrakhan never really addresses the issues that Khaled had head on. It's just like, hey, I'm Farrakhan. And that's that. You know, it's just like, that's that. And it's ne- it was never, you know, an addressing of the issues head on. You're my son or whatever the case is and whatever. And I don't think that these conflicts that arose, I just wonder, are these natural conflicts of, of human nature or are these occult rituals that were played out for the benefit of these two men to to continue to rise for them to show how much power they could will but then to pull it back and just continue to benefit them themselves and maybe a small oligarchy of people around them because if we if we examine the Elijah Muhammad situation he was beginning to get funding from H.L. Hunt. They were beginning to get clicked in and beginning to get more ties. We're having somebody like Malcolm around was dangerous because he truly meant what, what, what he was saying. He truly was about what he was saying. It wasn't a a gimmick for him. So whenever you have somebody like that, and every for everybody else, this is a money racket. It's a complete gimmick for them. But for Malcolm, he's actually trying to raise up the people. He ain't concerned about no money. He's not running around with no women. His car is an Oldsmobile. His house is a simple house. He ain't dressing in no furs. Simple suits. He basically only took from the nation what he needed. And really, he wasn't taking it. It was like a part of his salary. But he only got from them what he needed to survive. That's why even Malcolm's house wasn't in his name. He didn't put the house in his name. He left it in the nation's name, which you could argue was a mistake because when he was uh, kicked out of the nation of Islam or left it nation of Islam, however you want to put it, it gave the nation of Islam the power to take the house back from him, which they did. And it kind of shows you their character as well, because this is a man that dedicated his life, 12 years of his life, working around the clock to building up this organization. And they were willing to go as low as throwing this, this man and his family in the street in order to shame him and in order to, I guess, show others that this is what we can do with whatever. And, and, and that is very sad when you have somebody that dedicated so much for you to try to to take their house away from them and and to see them on the street it's like wow how low can you 
can you really go? So give me just a moment and I'm going to queue up um, the next uh, clip and then we'll go from there. Many other parallels that are not necessary to go into now, but one in particular, Malcolm, it is true, made attempts to reach the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We don't know if his calls were being intercepted. We don't know if his mail was being intercepted. We don't know what government operatives worked between Malcolm and his spiritual father. I have, for the most part, not spoken on this subject because I am still waiting for my meeting with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And until I have that meeting with him, there are things that I would like to hear from him. And there are things, as a son would say, that I would like to say to him. And I don't think I should say them to you before I say them to him. And some of you, might not agree with that. I believe I understand Brother Malcolm more today than I have ever understood him before. I was not in the Nation of Islam 30 years ago. I was in my mid-teens at that time, down in Houston, Texas, and had not yet moved on to the university where I would meet the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan as a young student leader there in New Orleans. So there are many things on my heart, but I think if you will permit me to be just a little wise today, it would be better, and I'm sure if you will weigh it, you would agree with me. All right, looks like I'm going to stop that there. I had a little bit of a technical glitch. Um, one other parallel that I noticed is that when Malcolm left the Nation of Islam, I believe it was in March of 1964, People say that basically the narrative that's often painted is that he left the Nation of Islam and then he went straight to the media and said, oh, Elijah has these babies with these teenage girls. It's not what happened. As early as January of 1964, there had already been attempts on his life. His car there was an attempt to wire his car to be killed. And these attempts, we believe, come, came from Joseph X. Joseph X. Gravitz out of New York. He was a captain under Malcolm um, in Malcolm's temple. And he had a big beef with Malcolm because basically, um, as I alluded to in my song, Happy Savior's Day, basically Joseph had gotten trouble for beating his wife and Malcolm wanted him set down. Um, he didn't want them to be completely fired, 
but he wanted him to be relieved of his duties and to basically, you know, work on himself before he's existing in his role as a captain, but you at home beating your wife. Malcolm didn't didn't like stuff like that. So when Malcolm tried to have Joseph set down for this, this kind of went against the code of what a lot of the top leadership was doing in the nation of Islam. Cause say for instance, the situation that took place, um, I'll go back and use the situation with the babies. For example, when, when Malcolm went and told the other ministers, Farrakhan, um, captain Joseph, um, I can't think of any other minutes, but there was other leadership. When he went to go and tell them about what was happening, these guys already knew what was happening. Especially Lewis. And this is why Elijah tested Malcolm. Because Malcolm was... Basically, Malcolm had this conversation with Elijah and he was figuring out solutions for it. And so Malcolm told Elijah, hey, I'm going to talk to some of the other ministers about this so that, hey, we can strategize and plan for when this comes out to the public. Elijah says, hey, cool. You can have the conversation with all the other ministers, but don't tell Lewis. Don't tell Lewis. And so this was basically a test for Malcolm because Elijah knew that if if Malcolm told Lewis that Lewis would come back and he would tell Elijah and use the information against Malcolm. And that's exactly what, what happened when Malcolm went and had the conversation uh, with Lewis X at the time, now Lewis Farrakhan, pretty much immediately Lewis put in the phone call and basically said, Hey, Malcolm's out here spreading lies about you or whatever the case is. And we're going to play the audio um, one day. I played some audio from Farrakhan on the on the track that I did. I'm a black man's heaven is a black man's hell. But we're going to play some of that audio as well um, on another day when we get into some of the lies and stuff that Farrakhan has been telling on Malcolm's name. 30 and 40 years, even 50 years after the fact, still lying on this man's name It's just. It's just ridiculous. It just gets ridiculous that this man is. Has been gone for so long and Farrakhan still shows so much hate towards the greatness of this man. But. To kind of get back to my point here. um, When Malcolm suspended Captain Joseph or tried to have him set down, this kind of went against the oligarchy that they had because basically they were running the nation almost like it was mafioso. So if somebody was, you know, taking a little money here, there, sleeping around on their wife here and there, they suspended people that were in the rank and file for that kind of stuff. People like Malcolm's brother who was um, kicked out of the nation for a time period. And I believe also had some type of mental issue behind it because of fornication and it's really interesting as well um that early on 
I should mention this this story. I think his I can't remember his brother's name. I, th- I think it begins. It's not Reginald, but Malcolm had a brother that was in the Nation of Islam. His name may be Reginald. It's his younger brother, and basically, this brother was thrown out of the Nation of Islam for fornication. And so what he told Malcolm was, yeah, Elijah's throwing me out of the nation of Islam for fornication, but Elijah's doing the same thing too. And uh, this was very on, but early on, but unfortunately, um, you know, at the time, Malcolm didn't uh, believe it and take heed to what his brother was saying. And that could have been possibly because this person, um, I believe, eventually went down for some sort of like mental illness or something like that. But he was telling the truth. Um, I believe Reginald was the brother. He was, he was telling the truth. So Captain Joseph, his, his animosity towards um, Malcolm basically stemmed from that because this is not the way that they got down in their mafia. But Malcolm wasn't really engaging in this kind of thing. He was trying to play it straight. He wasn't trying to basically pimp off the people and live, you know, preach one way and then live another way. When when he left the organization, he didn't come at Elijah at all. As a matter of fact, he's like, hey, I still think Elijah Muhammad has the best solution for our people. I think that I can do better to serve Elijah Muhammad outside the nation than I can do inside the nation. And I still think that Elijah Muhammad's solution is the best solution. I ran into some issues within the organization, with the leadership of the organization. He didn't really even come at Elijah directly. He was really talking about the so-called royal family and the other leaders within the organization. He really didn't come at Elijah Muhammad directly at all. And if you listen to the clip that I played of Brother Khaled, he also was, you know, these guys were kind of taken humble. They didn't leave the organization and they just went off and said, hey, F Elijah, F Farrakhan, or F whatever. These guys were taken to humble. And you have to imagine that there were several attempts on Malcolm's life even before this happened. And then we'll hear, hear later of... um. Dr. Khaled Muhammad talking about the attempts that were taken on his life um, be, behind this. So that's another parallel as well, is that these guys didn't just kind of go away with animosity towards their former teachers. They went away humbly and really looking to reconcile. You know, Malcolm was looking to reconcile. Khaled was looking to reconcile. Malcolm was selling, sending letters, sending recordings, trying to reconcile the situation. And unfortunately, in both of these rituals, the teacher would not reconcile with student. It was like an intentional break, an intentional sacrifice of these great students that they that they built up only to sacrifice them so that they could go higher. All right, so give me just a moment and I'm going to pull up the next clip.
Carol Taylor, The Little Black Book, and I just, as an elder, want to say that, in my estimation, you're one of, if not the most brave black man on the planet. All praise is due to our Lord. All praise is due to our Lord. And I want to say that if you and the group and Marl, yes, ma'am. Okay. It's a vicious little puny peck of wood. Yeah. Oh, no. Hell no. You get in the way of God's wrath. One day, Jonah, that America could repent, that America could atone for her sins on one hand and defending on the other hand. This is my teacher, my mentor, and my father. And I feel to some degree I know him. In studying what he said, along with the Meet the Press interview and another interview, after the Day of Atonement, he appeared to cast himself in the role of Jonah. Of whom? Come on, who? He cast himself in the role of Jonah. Now, who was Jonah? Jonah, according to Scripture, was one of the prophets of God who was commanded by God to go to the wicked city, Nineveh. Nineveh had misused, abused, and oppressed God's people. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Jonah was told by God to go there, and in his going and speaking to the king and speaking to the people of Nineveh, God, according to the scripture, believed that Nineveh would atone. That Nineveh would go to a, through a stage of atonement and contrition and repentance. Now Jonah, kind of like me, didn't want to go nowhere near Nineveh because of the way that Nineveh had done his people. And he was not pleased with God for even suggesting that Nineveh could atone for all that she had done. But according to scripture, Jonah went in sackcloth and ashes. And the king of Nineveh met him in sackcloth and ashes. And it appears that Nineveh repented of her wickedness. Nineveh atoned for her wickedness. And so Minister Farrakhan casting himself in the role of Jonah was giving the impression that if Bill Clinton would call the religious leaders, as he said, to Washington, D.C. and pray with them and repent that he would stop God's divine judgment of rain, snow, 
hail, earthquakes, tornadoes and twisters and storms, at least to ease the tension for 90 days against America. Oh, I'm scared of that. He went on to give the impression, since you ask me right off, my feelings about it. He went on to give the impression that if Clinton would listen to him, adhere to him as the modern day Jonah, that America could repent, that America could atone for her sins. Well, thank God I had a good teacher and my teacher was the one who was speaking. And my teacher didn't tell me to stop at the book of Jonah. My teacher told me to go Jonah, Micah, and the next book called Nahum. Jonah, Micah, and Nahum. When you get to the book of Nahum, when you study the scholars, the theologians, and the seminarians, they tell you that Nineveh appeared to atone. Nineveh tried to trick God. Nineveh tried to fool God. And so Nahum goes on to say, woe to the bloody city. Woe to the city whose streets are full of chariots and horses. And in the great and illuminating book by the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, message to the black man, but even greater than that, the fall of America. In his book, The Fall of America, with flames leaping up from the book from America, he quotes Nahum in The Fall of America, and he tells us that the horses and the chariots on the streets of Nineveh represent the automobiles, the cars on the streets of America. The most honorable Elijah Muhammad went on from the book of Nahum, for Nahum prophesied the destruction of Nineveh. And the scholars tell us that shortly thereafter, after their so-called repentance period and atonement, that God destroyed Nineveh in the year 612 BC. You gotta know your stuff when you tell people to stand up and ask you any kind of question. Well, they damn sure gonna ask you any kind of question. So we can see there, brother, uh, Khaled was letting Farrakhan have it a little bit. Um, I'm going to play some more clips and I'll be right back. As the Supreme Captain, can you imagine us posting up on them all up and down? Not just there, but posting up. We would have won some. We would have lost some. That's the nature of war. But I bet you one thing, it would have changed the face of New York and the world if 500 to 1,000 black men were whipping white behind all up and down 125th Street. There must be 500 black men like that somewhere. You fight each other. You call the one God either in the feminine, feminine or in the masculine by different names. But you always believed in the one God long before there was a prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
tells me to do that if my heart is still with Louis Farrakhan. And so I'm at the crossroads in my life, at the crossroads. And I must pray, I must fast, I must find some time to reflect. And I must draw from the elders among us and the wise among us who were here 30 years ago and who saw it, who witnessed it, who walked that walk and heard that talk and who can give me hindsight, insight, and help me come to some form of foresight. Malcolm never had this meeting. After Sunday, February 21st, 1965, Malcolm was not just shot in the legs. They riddled Malcolm's body with bullets. When there's a void like this, there's a gap like that, the they that I'm referring to is the enemy will step in the void. The enemy will step in between father and son, student and teacher, leader and follower. The enemy steps in. And many times when the enemy steps in, the enemy intends to kill two birds with one stone. The enemy intends to kill Khalid Muhammad and lay metaphorically the body of Khalid Muhammad at the door of Louis Farrakhan. And to disrupt the progress of the nation of Islam, knowing that the nation of Islam just reacquired the farmland in the south that we had lost that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad had gotten for us to know that under Louis Farrakhan's leadership we have now regained the farmland. That we will be setting up canneries and dairies and that the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan under the economic development plan of his is now working on a shopping center strip mall concept in Chicago and is now setting up a $4 million restaurant and bakery factory with two or three restaurants in one that were touched. I want to say, I, I wonder what happened to any of that economic infrastructure. Cause I don't, I haven't heard about any of that today. I would like for somebody to, to let me know. Cause I haven't heard about any of that economic infrastructure. And this is from quite uh, some time ago. Um, their brother Khaled is talking about this, but I'm going to let this continue to play. The economic level of our people, whatever level they are on, they will be able to come in and dine and enjoy themselves and not feel embarrassed, but still have good quality food. They know that Louis Farrakhan, 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 has now done what no other black leader has ever done in the history of our sojourn in America. My adult time with the Nation of Islam and as an official in the Nation of Islam had to face in any way considering myself at the crossroads. Always certain, always sure, but as you will notice, the Nation of Islam, the FOI from Brooklyn, the FOI from Harlem, obviously not present here tonight. 
I have not spoken to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I called the other day and I missed him and I've called several times and missed him. I hope I'm just missing him. I hope some smart crooked deceiver, some agent provocateur has not worked his or her way in between me and my father, leader and teacher the way they did between Malcolm and the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. My next step, Khaled being Khaled, is to go beyond the pen and go beyond the phone. My next step is to go straight to Chicago. I must go to Chicago because I must admit to you, some of you have approached me and said many things to me. And some of you look at me as a fool. But I must say to you, that the love that I have in my heart for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is not subject to change. When your father, no matter what your father does, whether you understand or not, your father is your father. And he is not my biological father, but he is the father of my faith. He is the father of my spiritual growth and development. And take it or let it alone. But he is the father of the fire and the spirit that set King College and the world on fire. Yes, he is. But I hear Brother Eric Muhammad, who visited with him in Chicago to clear up the matter that was discussed here, that Brother Alton Maddox went on the point, as he always goes on the point, and on the front lines when any of us are threatened. That issue that you remember, the father over this house, Brother Alton Maddox, bringing to you as Brother Eric stood from this rostrum with tears running down his face, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan came into the city and cleared that matter up. And ultimately, <clears throat> was invited by Brother Eric to Atlantic City, I believe it was, where he was speaking, and then ultimately to our national headquarters in Chicago. I have not confirmed it, but I have no reason to doubt Brother Eric. But Brother Eric brought me several messages back, and one of those messages is reflected here tonight. And one of those messages was that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, according to what I was told, said to him that he would no longer be able to permit the FOI to support me and offer security to me when I speak throughout the country. My speaking tour begins this week, and it seems to be picking up momentum quite fast. So that's a very interesting point, and I'm going to get ready to close up here. I'm going to continue uh, on the next episode. We're going to be talking about Kyle and the assassination attempt on his life. I'm going to get some clips in with um, Brother Kyle talking about it and, and bring um, some of this together uh, in the, the subsequent episode. So definitely come back, check out the next episode. We're going to be talking about the assassination attempt uh, that took place on Brother Kyle's life. Um, but 
going back to what Brother Collett was saying here, and this may have been one of the things that opened up the door for the assassination attempts and maybe one of the reasons why Farrakhan decided to remove the FOI from Brother Collett. Uh, because basically, that obviously he's beginning the speaking tour, as he mentioned there. And now, as he's beginning the speaking tour, the FOI presence is removed from Brother Collett. So I find that to be quite interesting. But you can see the humility that Collett is displaying here. And he's talking about how Louis Farrakhan is his father. And you're always going to love your father. He's a spiritual father. And the author of even what he was talking about at King College that got led to him being dismissed from his post and, you know, eventually um, having to leave the Nation of Islam. So that's pretty much going to do it for today. I'm going to get ready to um, close out. I'm going to go ahead and upload this to YouTube as well. So look for me on YouTube, like, share, and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you're listening on Spotify, continue to listen and download the episodes. Please share um, out there. Please share the podcast with anybody that's interested in history, anybody that's interested um, in Malcolm X and loves Malcolm X or interested in Nation of Islam history or Khalid Muhammad, social justice, any of those kind of things. Please uh, share this podcast uh, with your family and friends out there. So that pretty much does it. Uh, it's been real. I'm logging off. Peace out.